Hey everyone, welcome to Comedy History 101. This is Harmon. Today, this very day, marks the start of a trilogy. Yes, a three-part episode on the late, great John Belushi. Yes, a comedian so nice, we episode him three times. But there's so much to go into about John Belushi, who was hands down not only one of the greatest sketch performers of all time, but maybe the greatest sketch performer of all time. And we're going to go into this episode. We're going to start with the John Belushi origin story, kind of how he came up into Second City and what he did just right directly before being cast on Saturday Night Live and changing the face of comedy. But before we jump into the episode, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101 wherever you get your podcasts or on our site, ComedyHistory101.com. Also, take time to support Comedy History 101. In this ever-changing podcast world, we're an independently produced show. So that means no ads, and we want to keep it ad-free. So check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ch101 and throw in a few bucks. Keep us ad-free. No ads about Casper mattresses. And without further ado... Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Yeah, sure. I'm an anarchist. I'd rather be an anarchist than a professional. On his 30th birthday, the Blues Brothers were number one. He was on the number one television show. And Animal House was the number one grossing comedy. Oh, so what you heard up front was part of the trailer of the new Showtime documentary on the late, great John Belushi. And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. Where, what, we school you in what? Comedy. I am Harmon Leon. With me, of course... Scott Clonico. Scott, how are you? Harmon, I hope you can hear me because, you know what, as of today, I'm officially thin. You're officially finished? I'm I'm within the approved BMI, which, uh, to tie that into our current, uh, our current episode, uh, John Pelushi, um wasn't towards the end of his life. At the beginning, he is, he is a, a rather trim in some of these uh, clips we'll be talking about. Oh, I see. Okay, you're talking about sort of his, his weight mass? Yes, I'm talking about my weight my, and my weight mass as well. Yeah. Oh right. Are are you trim or not trim? I would say I'm trim. Now, like I said, I'm officially trim as of today. I am uh, in my required my uh, recommended BMI weight mass for being um, uh, the the right weight. Yeah, there's two ways that people are going with the pandemic. Some are just letting themselves go to hell, <laughs> yeah. and then others are just yes. uh, fitness <laughs> fanatics. But I think we we digress a little bit, Scott. When <laughs> when when you hear the name John Belushi, what comes to mind? Um, Saturday Night Live, 
the the samurai who I, we don't know we'll have to do a whole episode on that i don't know if that's politically correct or not anymore and um of course animal house oh yeah what about uh something about a pair of siblings from Juliet. That were into Julia, the blues. You mean the blues brothers? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So this is part one of a three-parter we're doing on John Belushi. Uh, today we are going to cover sort of the John Belushi origin story up until his time on Saturday Night Live. And as you've seen in in the in the new Showtime documentary, where 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 did where did a young John Adams Belushi, who was born January twenty fourth. 1949, and of course, was one of the original seven cast members of Saturday Night Live. Where did he touch down on the planet and get his start? Where did the John Belushi origin story begin? Uh, he began in Chicago, Harmon, born to Albanian American parents. He's actually one of our uh, one of the most famous uh, Albanian Americans we have. He is. Uh, to be more sp- precise, it was a suburb called Wheat or. Not called. It was the suburb Wheaton, Illinois, <laughs> which is uh, Chicago. Oh, it was called that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, like you said, he was born to Albanian American parents. His dad, a restaurant tour, who later on in Saturday Night Live, the the classic cheeseburger cheeseburger bit, was based on Belushi's dad. Ah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep, and his mother, Agnes, was a pharmacy worker, and he had three siblings, uh, his sister, Marion, and younger brothers, Billy, who I did a Google search and tried to find out more, and, of course, uh, who was the other brother, Scott? <laughs> that was all I see. All I see is our note here that currently he is, he is now a cannabis farmer, but you're talking about Jim Belushi. Yeah, Jim Belushi, who... Followed his older brother into show business. I believe um, when John was a senior in high school, Jim was in eighth grade uh, from from an interview I saw at the time. And just a footnote on Jim Belushi, I was I somehow got into a James Con movie rabbit hole and watched the 1981 movie Thief, which was Michael Mann's, I, I believe, his first movie. Right, yeah. And it mm-hmm. co-starred jim belushi in a dramatic role really well we've we've talked about this before because he was in a jim belushi was in a bunch of uh those like sitcoms that net, went nowhere in the early 80s like you can find Work, all working steps with michael keaton one. yeah he was in that one with michael keaton there was some other one and yeah i get i get i go speaking of rabbit holes i'll go <laughs> down into the uh, when people make compilation tapes of uh, the TV show intros from certain years. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll just watch those. Yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. But again, <laughs> I think Jim Belushi is a whole a whole other episode in itself. That's a whole other episode <laughs> to the whole Jim Belushi phenomenon. Yeah, but he ties in as because he was also uh, part of an Albanian family who was a East, Eastern Orthodox Christian and attended the Albanian Orthodox Church, uh, I guess, in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, so John early on was kind of like the perfect all-American kid. What, what was he like in high school? Well, well, like you said, Harmon, he was the all-American kid. How much more all-American can you get than being the co-captain of the Wheaton Central High School football time team and being elected homecoming king? 
Exactly. And not only that, but he also had a band, which is kind of funny. He played the drums. <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Yeah, the yeah. band, the Ravens. And, and what was their signal? There's, there's, there's this one signal they had has like they, a so great they had a, title. They had a split. So they had a split. Uh, actually, so I read a little bit about this. So apparently they, they scraped together a bunch of money, or not a bunch of money. They scraped up some money, went into Chicago, and recorded like a split single. On one side of it was uh, kind of like their own song called Listen to Me. And then, but the the flip side was was a song called "The Jolly Green Giant," which is kind of a 1960s kind of anthem song. Which here's the here's the odd connection. That song "Jolly G- Green Giant" was originally done by the Kingsmen. Oh wow! Who would later all, would also do "Louie Louie," which featured you know prominently in Animal House. Things gonna be different now because I found another girl just like you. What? You're blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I just and I just and I just came up with that on the spot. I just realized. Oh that. well, I, like, oh, I, th- I thought they so actually. You... So they were Jolly Green Giant was a cover for the Ravens. Yeah, it was a cover. It was kind of a. It was a famous. Like a lot of people did that. Apparently, it was, it was a famous 1960s kind of song. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they had, that was like one of their originals. But on the song, uh, not nah. only did Blushy play drums, but he also uh, sang some vocals. Like I think there's like a spoken word kind of. Yeah, part there's in a it. spoken word part. Yeah, um, uh, and the yeah, if you, if you see the video, which we'll post on our webpage at comedyhistory101.com, uh, if you see the video, there's actually they have a um, they have an image in the YouTube video. They have an image of the single, which is cool. And then they also have a single of uh, an image of the album cover, which which features Belushi on it. And then oddly enough, one of his bandmates was another, I guess, Albanian guy. Mm-hmm. His name was also Belushi, but really? spelled in a weird Albanian way. Yeah, it was like his his other bandmate was like, it was like B-E-L-U-S-C-H-I or something like that. Wow. Wow. So they're part of the, like the Albanian rock explosion. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, so uh, Albania, if we just go off into the history a little bit, the uh, dictator, because Albania was under a dictatorship during the Cold War, and apparently that guy was super crazy. Mm-hmm. Whoever the guy, I can't remember the guy's name, he was running Albania, but it was like this super mini little East Germany in the middle of uh, Yugoslavia. Yeah, so not only did he have the band The Ravens in high school with a fellow Albanian, but also in high school, that's where he met his future wife, Judith Jacqueline, who uh, we will talk about her role in John's career uh, later on in this episode. But also in high school, that's where he developed his interest in acting and appeared in high school variety shows. And encouraged by his drama teacher, John put aside his plans to, and this is like, you know, again, in parallel universe, this could have happened. He put away his plans to become a football coach and pursue yeah, the career of acting odd. that would have been a good to see uh john belushi football coach well you almost could see that like on the sidelines throwing a chair 
<laughs> There's okay. I will say the one okay. One of the funny things that like in the seasons of SNL where Jim Belushi was on it, and they did uh, like a film skit where Jim Belushi was playing a chess team coach, mm-hmm. and he but he's like a chess team coach, a la Bobby Knight, where you're talking about <laughs> throwing chairs and stuff. Oh, that's and funny. Like the one the one guy makes the move, and Jim Belushi gets all mad, and he throws a chair, and he's like, "Why don't you just give him the king?" <laughs> <laughs> it's that one's pretty good. Got to admit, and, and very give Jim, give Jim Belushi credit where credit is due. Yeah, yeah, and very fitting to the very popular Netflix show Queen's Gambit, which has brought chess back yeah, into the coolest sphere, if that's such a thing. I believe it is. I'll go with it. Yeah, so upon graduating high school in 1967, John went off to rural Indiana where he performed summer stock. So I guess in the documentary, not I think he was like doing the shows at night and to make extra money, I think he was like painting like the buildings uh, in the theater buildings uh, in, in rural Indiana when he, when he was uh, performing in summer stock. So the fall of his okay, freshman yeah. year, he went off to the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. That's like crazy small town, Wisconsin. And there, Scott, he became, what did he become? Edgy. Oh, he be, edgy. He became the bad boy, man. Yeah, so he changes, like, and again, if you see the picture of him on the album cover of the Ravens, he has, like, you know, short hair, wearing button-down shirts, but it was like at... At Whitewater is when he started growing his hair long. Um, I think all through high school, as you saw in the documentary, he rode a motorcycle, but um, that was sort of the inspiration in Animal House of uh, D-Day driving his motorcycle up the stairs was Belushi in his University of Wisconsin Whitewater days. Uh, D-Day, who was supposed to be played by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, uh, who, as we'll see later in this episode... uh, we met in 1974. Right, well, we're not there. We're yet. not there yet. Yeah. So what what happened uh, after he dropped out of uh, Wisconsin Whitewater? Well, Harmon John spent the next couple of years at the College of Dupa- Dupage or Dupage. Is that you're from up there? How is that how you say? I that? would say because we're Americans, we wouldn't call it Dupage. I think it would be. Okay, it's much like in Minnesota, they have New Prague, but everyone calls it New Prague. Uh-huh. Okay. So like anything that. Okay. that is uh, like based on like an old world type name is spelled how yeah. it appears. So I would say it would be okay. He, Dupage. He, he was up there eating his cheese curds. <laughs> yeah, his cheese curds and uh, uh, and, du- and Dupage, is a, which is a junior junior college a few miles from his parents' uh, Wheaton home. So kind of guess they're on the border between Wisconsin and Illinois. Uh, and his where his father began trying to get him to come and work where. At the restaurant. At the cheeseburger, cheeseburger while, place. So again, your, pa- yeah. parallel universes, uh, if, you know, a, a few little factors would have gone askew, you know, Belushi would have ended up being a, you know, successful restauranteur. Yeah, it would have been nice. Had a good hamburger from John Belushi. Yeah, but also in the documentary, <laughs> um, his mom was very funny. Uh, his biggest influence was... His grandma, who could, uh, I don't even think she could speak English, or she could barely speak English. Um, but his dad 
was very serious and wouldn't laugh at anything Belushi would do. <laughs> well, here's the, we we can live in an alternate universe, Harmon, for just a second. Sure. In that, you know, and you've been there uh, across Europe. There's a series of restaurants and bars called Belushi's, <laughs> which you can, which you performed what, what, at. When you is performed in, in the basement there. Yeah, there's one in there. Actually, they're a chain, which you wonder how, you know, trademarky that might be, how much of a problem that might be. But uh, anyway, there it is. You can pretend like like Jim Belushi opened a successful chain of restaurants with his. You you've been to the Belushi's restaurant in Berlin. Uh, on the inside, do they have photos of John Belushi? Do they go that route, uh, or is it just sort of like an Applebee's? It's kind of more. I think it's more just Americana. Ah, so there would be yeah. a John Belushi picture, say in Blues Brothers garb, but it's only to emphasize there, Americana. There might be one. I can't. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny the existence of such a photo, especially at this online. time when it's probably in lockdown. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so while while at the College of DuPage, we'll go with that unless we get a letter from a listener telling us otherwise, <laughs> which you can comment on comedyhistory101.com or wherever you get your podcasts. While there, he formed a comedy improv sketch group called the West Compass Players. Yeah, another improv comedy troupe, you know, which, you know, back then that was improv was still kind of edgy, edgy-ish. You know, not too many people were doing improv. Yeah, but they they modeled it over the the model of uh, Second City, the Second City style right. of improv, and they must have been well. Obviously, they must have been darn good. You know, I assume at the time, like Belushi was probably about twenty years old, twenty one years old when he was in the West Compass Players, and because they were they became pretty successful. So in nineteen seventy one, Belushi made the leap to Second City after being discovered by, uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Bernard Salins, who was the founder of Second City. Yeah, he kind of, uh, I remember him, I remember his name, because I think he produced a lot of the TV show stuff too. Yeah, so here's the thing with Belushi. Um, Normally, the progression at Second City was you would start off in the touring company, and you would tour, but you would play Monday nights at the main stage. But Belushi went right to the main stage, which was unheard of at the time. It was good. He was he he, he must impress people. Must impress press Bernie. Yeah, and so as we talked about on our history of Abby Hoffman and the Second City, the first really kind of edgy performer to start at Second City was none other than Ghostbuster favorite who, Scott? Well, that would be Harold Ramis. Yes, <laughs> Harold Ramis was like, he was like one of the, the guys who really changed the face of Second City. Like before it was kind of like, you know, especially in the late 60s, Second City became a little bit square, would you say? Yeah, I think so. People were in ties trying to do, um, you know, cocktail party jokes. Yeah, jokes about like kind of like the dentist's office sketch or... You know, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like that. So when Harold Ramis came, he he started. He was in the Monday night sort of show, which prided themselves on having long-haired players and and doing the edgy jokes. And uh, Ramis said, "I used to play like hippies and counterculture guys, but when you know John Belushi came in, <laughs> he took over those roles because he was really he really was counterculture." 
And so mm-hmm. Harold Ramis moved to what he says, the coward rules. Yeah, we talked about that in that episode about, yeah, and the, the coward about Second City, the coward role and like the scientist role, yeah. which is really interesting because I just I rewatched Ghostbusters for the first time in a long Great time. Great movie. About a month ago. Yeah, and it's just, it's interesting seeing Ramis in there. You're like, okay. Yeah, and uh, oh, and then another tie to Belushi was he was supposed to play the Ernie Hudson role. Yeah, and and Slimer is modeled modeled after Belushi more or less, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And going back to uh, uh, just something that made me laugh in our episode about uh, um, Abby Hoffman in Second City was uh, when Belushi came in. One of one of Harold Ramis's popular characters was. A, a character called Specs. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I guess because Harold Ramis wore glasses. <laughs> yeah, he wore Specs, dude. So besides Harold Ramis, uh, who else did Belushi perform with at uh, Second City during that era? Um, well, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, two Murray brothers, um, and then inter- also interesting uh, Joe Joe Flaherty, which you'll you know also went on to be on the SCTV. SCTV TV program uh, there's a clip of it floating around YouTube where he's doing a skit kind of like a this is your life skit and he, he's playing uh, Belushi is playing a um, kind of like a Central American guerrilla fighter right on, right on, right on, right on. and so Jesus on trial for conspiracy and indeed the darkest moment in your lifetime oh, sorry, these voices were to come to your aid probably a guilty you'll get two years probation that's the first year you're a law student at the game mm-hmm. we find the defendant guilty <laughs> that's the foreman the all white jury that's right. 40 years to our favor oh that's the all white judge I don't have <laughs> voice that place. and this voice alright come with me you should. That's the guard that's come to take you away. Jesus Rodriguez, pile of poverty, man of anger. But it's funny. That's got a lot of personal. That's that's got Bill Murray. No, not Bill Murray. It's got Flaherty comes out and he makes an appearance in there, and then Ramis makes an appearance as a junkie. As a junkie, yeah. <laughs> and then some. One of the comments said one of the other guys who comes out was the guy who went on it, that, that TV show from the '80s, Sledgehammer. <laughs> he was. I don't know if you remember that one, but oh, I'm thinking that Max was the actor, Headroom, the other actor. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Sledgehammer. Yeah, I, I did Headroom. do an IMDb um of uh, a dive into one of the performers in that, and he had like his page since the '70s was just filled with you know. Non-stop working, though you know, by no means a household name. Yeah, no. Max Headroom was uh, what's his name, Matt Brewer or something. Anyway, that's that's all. Totally yeah, yeah. So, but <laughs> but again, it's like Belushi at the time was like twenty-one, twenty years, twenty-two years old, and he's performing six nights a week, perfecting you know his physical Gonzo style of comedy, which you know later made him famous. In fact, word was already getting out about Belushi. So in 1972, when National Lampoon was putting together their first state show called Lemmings, I, it might have been Chevy Chase uh, or, or um, maybe Christopher Guest, but they said, you got to go check out this guy Belushi in Chicago. And they, you know, obviously they saw Belushi and Belushi was Belushi, and so he was offered the role in the 1972 
off-Broadway stage production of National Lampoon Lemmings, which also uh, featured a young, well, obviously a young Chevy Chase, because it's 1972, it wouldn't be current day Chevy Chase in the production. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Christopher Guest. Yeah, and also, like, uh, I think Paul Schaefer was buried in there somewhere, and uh, there's a lot of um, uh, alumni who came, who came out of that show. Yeah, if people want to find out, you know, maybe a deep, deeper dive into National Lampoon Lemmings, is there anywhere, any podcasts that cover that? <laughs> well, they might want to check out ComedyHistory101.com or some of our back, back episodes, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Are. Yeah, so we actually, we did a deep dive into the history of Lemmings. And, and again, so uh, Belushi and his wife, Jacqueline, they moved from Chicago to New York. Uh, the premise of the show, which opened at the Village Gate on January 25th, 1973, and and also ran amazing 350 performances was yeah. it was sort of a mockumentary of the rock festival Woodstock. Yeah, and it's actually kind of a brilliant premise because it's like they can just perform to the audience and address the audience, and they're not trying to put on and the, and then they can do sketches in the middle of it, and so it's just a it's a good all wraparound kind of uh, uh, kind of hip. I want to say hip, hip and hippie thing. You can see how that could work. And you, if you watch clips, there's plenty of clips of those on uh, YouTube when you can see them, um, especially uh, uh, Belushi doing his Joe Carter. When I was standing here, I was hearing my song. There all my friends are gone. I had sunshine out of country home. I've been on the cover of Rolling Stone. But it's lonely. Yes, it's lonely. Yeah, so again, they called it the the mock rock festival is called Wood Woodshuck, Three Days of Peace, Love, Woodshuck. and Death. And Blushy, again, it, it was like it's such an easy construction structure of the show. It's like Blushy's the MC, and then they bring up sort of like, you know satirical musical acts and Belushi mm-hmm. would be the thread and give advice to the audience such as kill yourself again total satire of the peace and love generation you know which you know also was like yeah. the, the 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 thesis of National Lampoon magazine growing out of kind of being tired of the hippie movement yeah and Christopher Guest does a great um uh, ooh, James Taylor. It? Yeah, James Taylor. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty spot on, actually. Yeah, also, um, yeah. And so Chevy Chase, uh, just a digression, was coming out of the Channel One Theater, which was, which is the theater. I know exactly where that theater is on, on 4th Street in Lower East Side, where he developed with Richard Belzer uh, a movie that later went on to be The Groove Tube. And Richard Belzer is about to come back into the story. So that's why I bring up that point. So, um, again, the show was, the show was uh, co-directed by Sean Kelly, Tony Hendra, Michael Keaty. They all came out of National Lampoon. And uncredited was uh, Doug Kenny. What do you know about Doug Kenny? 
Oh, he might have had a little something to do with National Lampoon. Kind, kind of guy also, wrote, but my uh, favorite Caddyshack too. Yeah, but my favorite and he, he uh, appears in, and he appears in Animal House himself as a stork. Kind of my favorite. What the hell <laughs> what are we do, to do, you moron? You... <laughs> yeah, I think that's his only line what do you in the want movie. To do, you moron. <laughs> yeah. Um, just kind of an update on this, just because I, I thought it was a myth and I didn't want to say anything, but I have double checked. But yeah, the whole thing about lemmings killing themselves, which is what the whole lemming show is about, uh-huh. uh, that is patently not true. Oh my god. Lemmings do not. Did you did you, did you hear the the thing? So the the basically. When it, it, a lot of it comes out of this film that D- Walt Disney put out in 1958, right? And basically, they were shooting all these these because le- lemmings will, if there's a big population boom, they'll they'll try to go somewhere else. They'll try to locate like a new colony, and yeah. they can swim. So they'll jump into the water and swim, whatever. But apparently, during their film, this one n- nature documentary at Disney, um, they, with a helicopter, and the helicopter scared them, <laughs> and all these lemons kind of jumped off the cliff. And then they just said, yep, this is what they do. Wow, so we have Disney to yep. blame for, <laughs> you know, tarnishing the oh, images yeah. of lemmings. Yeah, and where they took they took the name for the show. So there, it does connect. Ah, yeah, it, it connects indeed. So the premise of the show is almost... Did that blew your mind, dude? It, that, Sorry, that's the first time I heard mind, that. Dude. My mind is blown. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. It's note note like, oh, this jumping okay. back in point. Speaking of blowing people's minds, Belushi as Joe Cocker blew people's minds in the production of Lemmings. So much so that Rob Reiner, who was in the audience, saw Belushi performing his Joe Cocker bit. And when he was one of the, what? No, I think George Carlin was the first host of Saturday Night Live. George Carlin was the first. Yeah. Yeah, So Rob Reiner was, you know, he was one of the early hosts of Saturday Night Live. So when he hosted Saturday Night Live, he requested that Belushi reprise his Joe Cocker bit, which he first performed in Lemmings. It is, and it is a funny bit, especially if you've seen it. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, it's yeah, it steals the show, especially when he like falls on his stomach. It's yes, just, like, he's rolling, rolling around on like, the stomach. <laughs> yeah, and then he like falls on. Then he's like a turtle, and then he grips the microphone yeah. and works with it. And then without <laughs> missing beat, they they just kick right back into the song. Just like crazy yeah. perfect timing. So the success of uh, of Lemmings uh, caused National Lampoon's you know circulation to jump. You know, so much so that, you know, the performers, uh, uh, Chevy Chase and Belushi, who hands down stole the show, went to Marty Simmons, the magazine publisher, and asked for a raise. And did they get the raise, Scott? Well, first of all, Harmon, they went to Maddie Simmons. Yeah. Not not Marty, which I think you might have said. Okay, good, um, good, good, they, good catch. But they were turned down. They were turned down. Because he said performers are... A dime a dozen. And those performers yep. were John Belushi, no, Chevy Chase, and Christopher Guess. Yep. <laughs> Who are now kind of pretty big stars. Yeah, except everyone's hating on the Chevy Chase. <laughs> I think he's just so well, bitter. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's weird because they gave him a chance. And we'll do an episode on... Hey, did you watch Community a lot? Um, I just... Ever, bit here and there, you know? I just thought, like, you know, it's just it's another actually, one of those kind of... UK office type shows. Uh, it's a little different. It's more kind of in the hipster, like you know. It's a guy, you know. This guy does Rick and Morty, 
Um, so this is a show he did before. Yeah, Dan Harmon. Movie references in there. Yeah, yeah. So the first couple episodes, I would say, were pretty top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they they kind of resurrect Chevy Chase. They did. Yeah, to yeah. Tie it in. But, uh, if you read so, all, about, you watch the show and the you go backstage stuff. He was a pain to yeah, work with. You, yeah, but you watch the show and you see Chevy. You go, okay, you you're pretty funny, and you can see why. You know. Yeah, I mean Chevy. Like good. you know, you could probably see the whole Lemming uh, uh, show online on YouTube. Uh, you know, he was great back in. the You day. can, yeah. And we'll get more into that. Yeah, they have in, the show, in, the in actual next episode, because uh, there was animosity, great animosity between Blushy and Chevy who in the first season stole Saturday Night Live and everyone just thought it was the Chevy Chase show. But we'll get more yeah, into well, he that. Yeah, he stole it enough to, to leave after a year, yeah. So anyways, the success of uh, Lemmings led to a, another off-Broadway show called The National Lampoon Show, which also starred John Belushi and, again, other greats. Gilda Radner was brought in, Bill Murray. Uh, again, Maidstay Harold Ramis from... Belushi's Second City Days, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who played Gerald Ford, by the way. Okay, we re- rehearse a little warm up. Let's do 20 face slaps. Come on. Oh, slap it out. Come on. Make it hurt. No pain, no gain. Come on. Make it hurt. Good. Yeah, Good. so again, that was at the New Palladium Club on West 51st Street. Uh, night. This, this show was a little more political in theme. Um, it was Again, all about the Watergate era and white-collar criminals who were forced to live like kings. And, and of course, mm-hmm. you get Gilda Radner playing Patty Hearst. Nice. Nice touch. But through it, you know, all the reviews just said things like uh, the funniest actor is John Belushi, the only original repeater from Lemmings with a bear-like presence and malleable bark of a voice. He does a quick impersonations of Truman Capote and Marlon Brando. The show ended with Belushi shouting into a megaphone, the whole audience is under arrest. Mm-hmm. The success of those two state shows, where, where, what trajectory course uh, did that lead Belushi? Well, Harmon, I kind of had a little um, spontaneous thought about this. What happened next was the National Lampoon Radio Hour, and for those of you, those listeners of our, us who who don't know, you know, why would people listen to the radio? What was going on? Basically, this was the National Lampoon podcast back in the day. They would good play, point. They would good kind point. Of, um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I was trying to be contemporary for the kids. They would kind of bro- they would re-record, they would rec- pre-record up in New York City. They had like a studio built in the uh, the National Lampoon offices, and then they would like you know it would be broadcast on you know all you know alternative rock. No, that, sorry, they didn't have alternative rock back then, but like you know rock stations and whatnot throughout the country. Um, you know, usually probably pretty pretty late at night. And and what type of humor was it? Well, Harmon, the edgy humor. Yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, it was edgy. Yeah, so Belushi, not only was he a writer and actor on the show, but he actually ended up being the director after a Michael O'Donohue. Uh, could you fill the listeners in who might not, who Michael O'Donohue is? Well, he was one of the original writers on uh, National Lampoon. Uh, he was one of the more famous ones. He came up with a lot of... Uh, when they had their um, 
uh, Vietnam baby issue. He kind of came up with a lot of the uh, the material in, in that particular issue that was kind of infamous. But he was kind of known for his like really kind of twisted, dark sense of humor, and um, yeah, just kind of a kind of a brilliant genius. Yeah, who also ended up on Saturday Night Live not as a regular cast member, but he was a writer. But he would appear in such sketches as uh, um, I don't know if this was the name, but like. Tony Orlando and Don sticking sharp needles in their eyes. Yeah, he, he was a big sharp, sticking sharp needles. His but also, here's a trivia for you, Armin. He actually, he is in the first sketch that was on Saturday Night Live. It's him and Belushi. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but he left, he left the show and uh, Belushi took over as director and his wife Jacqueline became an associate producer of the show and in fact, uh, Belushi and Jacqueline were married on December 31st. Oh, I guess that's New Year's Eve. It is New Year's Eve, 1976. Yeah. So, yeah. And just to, just to uh, yeah. So just to confirm, yeah. So they had a studio, especially spilt in the National Lampoon offices, and the show was broadcast nationally on 600 different radio stations. So it was a it was a big deal. And I remember that was a little bit before my time, um, but it was a big deal. People would you know listen to the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Oh, yeah. And so tying back into the Channel One Theater, uh, not only was uh, Chevy Chase also a performer on it, but also uh, Richard Belzer. Yeah, there's actually um, there's a couple clips. There's uh, one. Actually, that was pretty funny from the Radio Hour in 1973 where uh, Richard Belzer and uh, Belushi are doing uh, Baby Marlon Brando, and they basically all, all they, they're doing scenes from On the Waterfront, but they sped their voices up. <laughs> And they're talking about baby baby con baby contests instead of uh, fighting, so it's kind of funny. Mommy, ma, hey, mommy. Go 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 hey. go 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 go. Listen, my brother, the grapevine says you're gonna throw a tantrum. Well, no, Charlie. Look, kid, it's about time you got off your knees and started standing on your own two feet. I figured I'd crawl around a little bit longer, you know. Listen, Terry, how much do you weigh? You know when you weigh 10 pounds, 4 ounces, you were beautiful? You could have been another Mason Reese. Any top kid star, you could have been up there. If it wasn't for that skunk, we got you for a stage mother. She weaned you too fast. Oh, Charlie, it wasn't her. It was you, Charlie. Don't you remember that night at the baby contest? You came down to my crib and you said, Kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Tatum O'Neill. Remember? This ain't my night. My night. I could have taken O'Neill apart. So what happens? She gets an Oscar, and I get a one-way ticket to Pottyville. Uh, and another uh, pretty funny uh, clip from the Radio Hour is Belushi, and I'm pretty sure it's um, Guest, Christopher Guest, as the the guru. I can't I can't confirm that, but it sounds like him doing his, his Indian impression. But it's uh, Belushi. Uh, <laughs> he's being he's a he's a, a new guru by the name of who, who just a normal american guy called craig baker so so uh, he, the the indian guy is asking him questions so it's pretty funny about his guruness and the interesting thing is they make a uh, smoothie joke and this is in 1973 so i didn't know smoothies existed uh, back then go, going back to ghostbusters uh one of my favorite podcasts i and they're not sponsoring the show so i'm just plugging them anyways is uh the bowery boys which is uh, history of New York. They did an episode on Ghostbusters, and they pointed out, <laughs> like the you know the Rick Moranis character. You know they want to make him so freaky, 
Um, right. Because now why? Because back because he's into health food and juicing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Which uh, smash cut twenty twenty. We're all into health Not food so and juicing. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> so he was ahead of his time, the Rick Moranis character in Ghostbusters, which, uh, as we pointed out, should have also had John Belushi in it. Actually, no, and the uh, Rick Moranis, that character is actually supposed to be played by uh, John Candy. Oh, wow. Okay, that would have been a yeah. different take. Oh, we got to do mm-hmm. an episode on that. No, oh, definitely. What, what, what happened there that John Candy didn't end up doing... I don't know. I mean, John Candy, so 84, so that was like when Splash came out. Uh-huh. So he was, con- that's when, like, he'd already been on SCTV, the TV show, for a, a couple years. So 84 is when Splash came out. So he might have been, I don't know, maybe some, he had some other kind of uh, role come up or something. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a iconic Rick Moranis role, and he was perfect mm-hmm. in that. Oh, he's great. You know, obviously, the National Lampoon Radio Hour didn't go on forever. The show folded. So uh, what, happened, what does that mean, Scott? Were the performers and writers out of work? What, do they just go, okay, that's it for us in show business? No. Well, you see, Harmon, it's interesting here. So what happened is that um, the National Lampoon cast and crew and show started getting poached by a producer who was starting a new show in New York by the name of Lorne Michaels. And he was coming up with a concept about live comedy and music on late at night uh, that would be called uh, Saturday Night Live. Bum, bum, bum. Actually, I think at first it was just called Saturday Night. But yeah, so basically a lot of the uh, National Lampoon performers started getting, getting poached, being hired by... Uh, by Lauren Michaels and Siren Live and NBC. And, of course, money is going to be bigger, better, and people start going over there. Yeah, and we'll, that is a good jumping-off point for this episode. And next episode, we'll get more into the Belushi Saturday Night Live era. And uh, we'll kind of I, I kind of know the origin story of Saturday. It was originally Saturday Night with Howard Cosell. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the, no, I think pro- that's why they had to... Yeah, they were the primetime players. And so... Their ironic nod was the not ready for primetime players. Uh, yeah, Harmon. So, uh, yeah, so those guys all went up going over to Saturday Night Live. And what is interesting, which is cool, and which you can also see over at our website at comedyhistory101.com, is uh, they, uh, they save for history the uh, SNL audition tape. So we actually have the audition tape of uh, John Belushi that you can see. It's on YouTube. Like I said, it'll be on our website. And it's kind of interesting because he's, kind of does his characters he does his eyebrow and he does the um the marlon brando impression which is good you know it's but it's always kind of weird because it's just like those audition tapes are just them sitting in front of a uh empty studio full of people and people are kind of laughing and stuff good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the saturday night show the show is live the show is not on tape so all the mistakes that you All the mistakes happening on this show are real. We don't plan anything. Because everything is real. Okay, Wally? All right. With tape, we have the advantage of editing some things that don't work. With uh, live television, Anything goes on that you want on. 
Okay. But what's really interesting, I thought about this tape, is that they finish the tape up, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of hear it in the background. Somebody says, "Okay, let's let's bring Andy on." Ah. And apparently, the person who auditioned after John Belushi was Andy Kaufman, which I had no idea. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and Andy Kaufman sits there and he he uh, recites the song MacArthur's Park, <laughs> like totally straight. Oh, like, you found like, that tape? No. You, you can find Andy Kaufman's yeah. audition tape. Yeah, so dude, it's a link. I linked it. Linked oh. in the document. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't know he'd audition for them like that. So it's crazy. Yeah, we got to do an episode on all the famous people that auditioned and didn't make it on Saturday Night Live. I mean, it goes from everyone from I just Colbert. I just watched the Jim Carrey. Yeah, one. yeah. I was gonna say Jim Carrey, Colbert, Andy Kaufman. I mean, it goes on and on. Mike, of course, Mark Maron, yeah, who talks about it in every episode of WTF. Yeah, and I think who was yeah, I think. Uh, what's his name? Steve Carell, I think, auditioned for them too. Yeah, I mean, everyone who was a, you know, that used to be the show. And I think now yeah, that was the it. show, you know, a lot of like top performers go to like, you know, Daily Show and, you know, other mm-hmm. shows that have kind of also filled that gap. But that was, you know, the show, if you were the cream of the crop, you would go to SNL. Right. Which I think that's a good place to kind of end this episode. And of course, when we end episodes, it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? I will keep plugging what I keep plugging all the time. Harmon and I have another podcast kind of done sporadically called This is the President, where we talk about all things presidential, uh, which is which you can find everywhere you find your favorite podcast. But even, uh, even plus that and above, above and beyond, uh, we have a YouTube channel called funnily enough this is the president which you can find at youtube.com slash this is the president where we post videos about all funny things presidential we just posted one about reagan and the christmas turkey just last week so you can watch reagan presenting a thanksgiving turkey and uh, trying to answer questions about iran contra so uh, there you go everything you want to know about presidents (laughs) up there on the youtube for you and also wherever you find your favorite podcast here, here, here. And as always, if you like Comedy History 101, there, there's several options for you to take. Okay, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment on a Comedy History 101 wherever you get your podcast or on our website, ComedyHistory101.com. Also, we are an independent podcast. No commercials, no Casper mattresses, no Stamps.com, unless you're Stamps.com and want to be one of our sponsors. So (laughs) as an independent podcast with no commercials, take time to support Comedy History 101 on our Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash ch101. Throw in a few dollars each month and we'll keep Comedy History 101 ad-free. Unless you are Casper well, mattresses, <laughs> I have a question. So, what what kind of special things do people get when they pledge to us in comedy on Patreon? Perfectly good question, Scott. <laughs> well, we are soon going to be launching a variation of our podcast. This is the president, kind of like comedy history of politics of the week, where you hear Scott and I carry on about. What the hell has gone on in politics (laughs) this very past week? So that will become a special feature for those who subscribe on Patreon. 
And we will be great. Yes, great indeed. And we will be back next week with part two of our history of John Belushi talking about his SNL ears, which led to the movie Animal House and, of course, the forming of the Blues Brothers. And he's when he's hanging out with the guys from Fear with uh, what's his Lee name? Vang. <laughs> Lee, Lee Vang. No, but yeah. uh, also he was hanging out with the Dead Boys. And there's a clip in the uh, in in the Showtime documentary of him playing drums with the Dead Boys. All right, yeah, like he like he was in the, Ravens. the Ravens. There you go, tied it back. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So so, anyways, that's what's coming up. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and bye bye. Bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.